will say welcome to Christmas. I love this season. This season is my favorite season uh, of the year. I love everything about it. I love, I love the Christmas lights, and I don't know if you've got lights up at your house. Uh, I got the lights up on mine. I love that. I love the food of the Christmas season, which usually means desserts, right? Like we're thinking cookies, so uh, all those wonderful desserts, except for fruitcake. I don't know, like fruitcake is not something. I, we should get rid of that, but the food is, is amazing. Uh, the music. I love Christmas music. I know some of you are like, when I'm like, what kind of music do you listen to? Some of you are like, oh, I'm into country music or, or hip hop or I'm a Swifty. Uh, for me, I got two playlists. I've got Aerosmith and I've got Christmas. And typically it's pentatonic. So it is a weird, I know, but that is my kind of music. I, I love it. I love the Christmas movies. Like, like what, is, what is the best Christmas movie ever? Anybody got a, a best Christmas movie? Someone give me something. I heard too many at one time. I, I will say I love the movie Elf. I love the movie Home Alone. And I've actually, as I've got a little older, I've grown in my appreciation for It's a Wonderful Life. And uh, man, it is, it is fun. Um, I love the weather. I will admit Friday, with a little bit of snow that came down, it was beautiful. I like it when it's fresh and pure, not when it's driven on and becomes dirty. But like that first snow, it's just beautiful. And I'll be honest, don't, don't judge me, but I even love the gifts under the tree. I know, it's not about the gifts, but I, uh, you know, they came out with a book years ago called The Five Love Languages. Have you heard those? Five love, typically you have one of these five as like your main like language of love. It, it could be uh, quality time. It could be words of affirmation, acts of service, physical touch, or gifts. And I'll be honest, my love language is, is gifts. Like when I see gifts, I feel like a kid in a candy store or a tornado in a trailer park. Like I just can't contain myself. I go all out. I love it. <laughs> You know, what's funny about Christmas, though, is we put so much emphasis on the gifts. I read this week that the National Retail Federation, like who knew there was a National Retail Federation, but apparently there is. The National Retail Federation uh, said, on average, Americans will spend $997.73 only on Christmas gifts this year. <laughs> How many of you are above average? Like, does that feel a little, like, convicting to hear, like, we spend over $1,000 a year on Christmas gifts. But let me ask you this. Like, like we, spend, we, we, we spend so much emphasis on the gifts under the tree. Like, how many of those gifts do you actually remember years later? Like, think back to your childhood. Can you think back to, to maybe that gift you got as a child that was so special? Like, maybe you can. Maybe, maybe you got that official Red Rider carbon action BB gun. You know, maybe that's for you. Like for me, I remember one gift as a child. I remember the year my parents got us the Nintendo Entertainment System, like Mario and Duck Hunt, the whole thing. Uh, and the reason I remember this gift, the reason I remember we got it is because my sister woke up that morning and my sister was just cranky, right? She was crabby. She was ornery. I mean, she always was, but she was extra that morning. And we're like, what's wrong with you? And she's like, I don't feel good. And so she's off pouting. Then we open up the Nintendo, and we're like, you can't play because, of course, siblings are like, oh, you're sick. You have germs. You can't play with us. And so, you know, that way we didn't have to share with her. Uh, <laughs> I had a w weird memories. Um, uh, what was I talking? Gifts, gifts. It's funny, though, like, when I think back to childhood, like, 
I don't remember all the gifts my parents got me. I remember that one, but I don't remember any of the others. You know what I remember? I remember my mom would take me and her and I would go to watch the Christmas tree lighting. They used to do it on 40th and some of you in front of what the Walgreens is now. I, don't, I forget what it used to be. They used to have that big old tree there. They, they'd have this big lighting ceremony and we'd stand outside and freeze our tails off and, and watch the Christmas. I remember that my mom and I did that every year. My mom would drive us around. We'd drive around the valley looking at all the Christmas lights. Like, I remember that. I remember every year on Christmas Eve, my mom would bake a birthday cake and we would all sing happy birthday Jesus because it was Jesus' birthday. You know, it's funny. Like, like when I think about childhood, I think about the gifts and I don't remember a ton of the gifts. I remember those things. In fact, think about this. For you, like, can you think about the last couple years? Like, what are some of the gifts you've received the last couple years? I did it this week and I'll be honest, if I really sat down, I could probably remember, oh yeah, I got this and that. But I don't necessarily remember the gifts from the last couple years. You know what I remember? I remember all my kids being together. I remember two years ago, uh, Sam took me and the kids. We'd never been to Leavenworth during uh, the Christmas season with all the lights. And so Sam took me and the kids to, to Leavenworth. And I remember this day specifically because it was, it was like negative five degrees outside. It was freezing cold. And so uh, we got our little hot chocolate and we, you know, we got to take a family photo. And, and the thing was, pretend not to look frozen, right? You got to try and look warm in this photo because it's so cold out. Why is that, though? Why is it that when we think back to Christmas's past, we can remember the stories of going and looking at Christmas lights with mom, singing happy birthday. We can remember going to Leavenworth, but we have a harder time remembering the specific gifts. Maybe because the greatest gift is not presence under a tree, but rather the presence of our loved ones. In fact, isn't this what Christmas is all about? about God's presence with us. I mean, this has been God's desire since the beginning of time, where God came into the garden and had this, this relationship with us. He was present with us. And then, obviously, sin marred that. And then we see in the Old Testament, God continually is trying to, to give his presence. He wants our presence. And so he built the temple, and he's residing in the temple. And then we get to the New Testament. We have that great Christmas prophecy, Isaiah chapter 7. The great Christmas prophecy said, The Lord will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God's gift was the presence of his son. God's gift was his presence with us, born to die so we could live and have his presence with us forever. And so this Christmas... We're starting a new series. We're going to take a break from the book of Acts. Some of you are like, we've been in Acts for a long time. We're going to take a break from Acts, and we're going to have some conversations about how we can focus on the presence rather than the presence. See, presence over presence, that's what we're doing here. Specifically, we want to look at how we can experience more of God's presence in our life this Christmas time. And we're going to look at some uh, other things. The theme, the theme verse uh, this series for this month is going to be out of John chapter 1, verse 14. This says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen His glory. The glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So we're going to be talking about God's presence uh, in Jesus as He came to the earth, born to die so we can live. We're also going to talk about some other ways this plays out. We're going to talk about how 
in our community, with our friends and with our family, how the greatest gift we can give them is not a present under the tree, but actually our presence, our relationship, and, and, and investing in our relationships with the people around us. And I'll be honest, I'm, I'm excited for uh, some of these conversations. Uh, as uh, we're talking about gifts uh, and, and presents, I do want to say the church did buy you all a present this year. Uh, there's, there's a book that we want to give you all. This is actually written by Jim Herring. Jim Herring uh, has been a part of our church for 10 years, 11 years. Uh, he is my favorite teacher. And uh, this last year, he wrote a book. And just by God's providence, it's called The Greatest Presence of All, focusing on how uh, God's character through the names of God and how they reveal his, his presence with us. And so we have uh, copies of this in the lobby today. Uh, that is our gift to you. We encourage you, pick one of those up on your way out. Um, if you want to talk to Jim about it, you want Jim to sign it, hey, he could become the next best-selling author. And so I encourage you, uh, pick one of those up, one per family, and excited to be able to celebrate um, that. And we pray this book will be a good resource to you as you uh, focus on the presence of God in your own life. Now, Today, what I want to talk about is actually a box that I forgot to bring. So I'm going to imagine a box in my hand right here, all right? My wife, everything good in my family, most things good in my family, everything good in my family really comes from my wife. She is smarter than me. She's a better parent than me. She's a better uh, spouse. Uh, she's a better Christian. And I'll, you know, I'll just say, like, the church, you've hired me to be your pastor. You got the short end of the stick. I'll just say that. My wife... Is, uh, came up with this idea years ago where she, 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 got, she got this gift box and she, she put a ribbon around it and she tied a, uh, cut a slot in the top of it. And she said, hey, it's Christmas season. We're focusing on the gifts we want to receive. Why don't we think about some gifts that we can give to God? And so we have this box and, and you take a little sleep of paper and you put something that you can give to God in. Just a really cool tradition. And again, I can't take any credit for it. This is all my wife. And... Uh, <laughs> That box is a good reminder for us. We should be intentional about trying to serve Jesus and do things for him. And uh, don't judge us. <laughs> we might have opened that box this last week just to see some of the things that the kids have put in over the years. They were just the cutest things. Like the kids, I, you know, I assume this is years ago, the kids put, uh, I'm going to give a Bible to someone who doesn't have a Bible this Christmas. And I'm like, how cool is that? Kids are like, I'm going to invite someone to church this Christmas one of the other kids, I'm going to give a dollar. I don't know who they're going to give a dollar to, but they're going to give a dollar to someone. So someone got a dollar. Praise Jesus. That's their gift to, to Jesus for, uh, for Christmas. And uh, I, I love it. It's a beautiful tradition. That is a tradition you have permission to steal and implement for your own family. Really good to, to be intentional. But I think the question that, that made me think about it is, is like, what do you think God would put on his Christmas list? What does God want from us? What does God want this Christmas? I mean, we all have different ways that we could answer. Like, I could sit here and I could be like, well, of course I know what God wants. God wants me to have a brand new truck, right? Of course that's what God wants. Or, you know, God, God wants me to uh, uh, be healthy, wealthy, and, and happy. No, 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 that's not what God wants. God wants me to follow all the religious rules and just be a religious person. God wants me to be a Bible thumper. I mean, we all have these different ideas. Oh, this is what God wants from me. Well, what is it that God actually wants from us? If he had a Christmas list and he gave it to you, what would be on that list? 
I want to consider that question this morning as we look at the passage that Jake read from us this morning in Hosea. Now, Hosea is probably a book you may not be overly familiar with. Um, it is unique. It is the 28th book in the Old Testament, uh, part of what's called the Minor Prophets. Uh, uh, you'll probably skip it over if you're trying to look for it. So my Bible has it on page 812. Yours is going to be different, but it's going to be somewhere in the second half of the uh, Old Testament. The book is so unique because the book is about this prophet by the name of Hosea. And God comes to Hosea, and God says, Hosea, I'm going to do something great with you. And Hosea is like, yes, God, do something awesome with me. And he's like, all right. God's like, Hosea, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have you marry this woman named Gomer. And I know, like, that's not the bad part, all right? It gets worse. Like, who would name their child Gomer? Actually, I should probably not say that because maybe you're thinking about naming your child Gomer. Okay, Gomer's just a name you don't hear very often, all right? I don't know how I got in Gomer. Where am I at? Okay, Hosea. Uh, God tells Hosea, I want you to marry Gomer. And not just, that's not the hard part. The hard part is she's actually a prostitute. And God says, the reason I want you to do this is this is a picture of my relationship with humanity. So he says, Hosea, when you marry Gomer and she strays from your love, I want you to take her back again and again and again. And God says, this is a picture of my relationship with humanity. God's here saying, I love you. I, I, I want to serve you. I want to do these things for you. What, what, do we, what do we do? We go pursue all these other things. We forget about God. And guess what? God constantly takes us back again and again and again. It is a beautiful picture. It's a great book. It's a short book. You're welcome to read the whole thing. We're going to be in Hosea chapter 6. And uh, Hosea 6, Hosea is now prophesying about a time when the people of God is going to have the desire to, to return to God. They strayed, and they're going to have this desire to, re to return to him. And so here's what it says in verse 1. The people say, come, let's return to the Lord, for he's torn us that he may heal us. He has struck us down, that he will bind us up. He will revive us after two days, and on the third day he will raise us up so we can live in his presence. Let's strive to know God, and, and he will come like rain, like spring showers, and water the land. I mean, here's the story. The people... They've lived for themselves. They've lived for the world. They've abandoned God. They've done their own thing. They haven't pursued the presence of God. And then they begin to suffer. They begin to, to struggle. They're on the struggle bus, and it's real, and they're suffering. And what do they do? They do what many of us do. Call on God. God, would you bail us out? I mean, like, isn't this the way humanity has been for the beginning of time? Where we make a mess of a situation, we get ourselves in trouble, we do some dumb things, we're overwhelmed, we're fearful, we get to the end of our rope, and what do we do? God, God, would you bail me out? God, I need you. I need your healing. I need your blessing. I need you to bail me out of the situation. And when we're in that situation, what do we do? We make grand promises. Oh, God, God, if you come and help me, God, if you heal this sickness, God, if you, if you fix my marriage, God, if you, if you save my child, God, if you provide for me financially, God, if you do this, if you show up, God, I will never, ever sin again. God, I will never do anything wrong again. God, God, if you help me, if you help and do this for me, God, I'll become a monk and I'll live in a monastery in the forest despite the fact that I hate the outdoors and I would never cut my hair and I'm not going to wear the robe that they wear. But God, sure, I'll become a monk if you help me. God, 
God, I need you. God, I need you. And if you help me, God, I'll be, I'll be a missionary to Africa. Granted, I've never actually told my neighbor about Jesus, but sure, I'll go across the world proclaiming Jesus. This is what humanity has done. We find ourselves in trouble, overwhelmed, and we turn to God and we make these grand promises. God, God, I'll do this for you. Is that what God wants? Is that what God wants from us? These grand gestures, these bold promises? Some great thing, God, I'm going to do this really big thing for you. Well, God responds to the people in verse 4. He says, what do I do with you? Your love is like the morning mist and the early dew, it vanishes. This is why I sent the prophets, why they cut you down with my words. This is why my judgment goes forth like light. He says, your love is so short-lived. You make these grand over promises. God, I'm going I'm to never sin again. And God says, it doesn't mean much. This is why you constantly find yourself in trouble over and over again. Because you think I want these grand promises. You think you're giving me gifts, but these are the wrong things. They're not ultimately what I want. Because what does God want? Verse 6. I desire steadfast love, not sacrifice. The knowledge of God, not burnt offerings. See, in Hosea's time, like if you wanted God's blessing, you wanted God's favor in your life, to show him you're serious, you'd go and you, you'd go to the altar and, and you'd offer, you'd sacrifice some, some animals. You'd, you'd bring a burnt offering and you'd give this to the altar and this is the way you show, God, God, I'm, I'm devoted to you. I, I want your blessing. But for God, he's like, it wasn't ever about the sacrifices of the offerings. It was about the relationship. It was about your presence. See, God is, is less concerned with our offerings than he is with our, with our heart. And that's why he says, like, I want steadfast love. I want a knowledge of me. Steadfast love means this never-ending, continual love is, is our heart. You see what God wants from us? He wants us to know him, to, to draw near to him. Another way to say that, he wants our presence. He wants our presence. He's not looking for us to make these grand promises. He's not looking for us to jump through the hoops, to perform these great deeds. He's saying, just give me your heart. Give me your presence. But here's the thing. When we get in trouble, we make these grand promises. Not what God wants. But that's not the only time we get it wrong. We also get it wrong because rather than giving God uh, our, our presence and pursuing a relationship with him, what do we do as Christians? We fill our lives with religious activity, religious devotion. We have all these religious things that we do because, hey, God, I'm going to give you my obedience and all these different things. I mean, we're not, fortunately, we're not sacrificing animals anymore. But today, what do we do? We keep all the religious rules to look the part of being a good Christian, right? You don't smoke, don't chew, don't go with girls who do. We go to church every time the doors are open. We aren't supposed to drink alcohol. We're not supposed to watch R-rated movies. We're supposed to serve the poor. We're supposed to make sure our marriage is good. We're supposed to make sure our kids are obedient. We're supposed to look a certain part. 
And we do all these things to say, look how devoted I am to you. Look at all my religious activity, God. Look at me, God. I'm doing all this for you. And I'll just be honest, like our churches are notorious for this. So many people have grown up in homes and churches that pushed this religious activity that actually robbed us of a relationship with God. And this is how people become disenfranchised with God because everything they've heard has been about religious devotion and religious activity rather than a relationship with him. Listen, let me clarify. Like Religious devotion can be good and it can be helpful to grow a relationship with God. But is that the thing that God wants from us? What did he say? I desire steadfast love, not sacrifice. The knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. He is primarily concerned not with our religious activity. He wants our heart. He wants our presence. He wants us to to know him, to enjoy him, to pursue that relationship with him. To, to grow in our knowledge of him. A great illustration of this is in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10 is a story about two sisters, and uh, Jesus is, is invited to their house. And so, of course, like if Jesus comes to your house, like how many of you are going to clean, right? You're going to like, it's going to be spotless. You want it to be just great. Jesus is coming. We're going to celebrate together. And so the day comes, Jesus is there, and Martha, she's the typical older sister, Right? She's the older sister, so she is so busy trying to make sure everything is just right and perfect for Jesus, right? So she is making the food, she's cleaning up, she's sweeping the floor again, she's doing all these different things. And Mary's the younger sister, and she's a typical younger sister. While Martha's doing all the work, uh, Mary's sitting at the foot of Jesus. She's hanging out. She's just learning from him. Well, Martha's a little upset. She goes to Jesus And she says, Jesus, don't you even care? Like my sister is sitting here on her hiney while I'm doing all the work to make this special for you. Jesus' response. Luke 10, 41. Martha, Martha, Martha. You are worried and upset about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion that cannot be taken from her. See, as we begin this Christmas season, I'd love for you to think about the gifts that you could offer to God this Christmas. I mean, it would be great for you to be thinking about, man, who could I invite to church? We've talked about Christmas Eve. Man, it's the one service that non-Christians, Christians, anybody will come to. They get, it's kind of about Jesus. And so, man, it'd be great for you to be thinking about who you can invite to, to church. I'd love for you to be thinking about some things that you could give to God. Be thinking about... Um, Man, uh, uh, I could give to someone in need. I could, whatever it happens to be. Those are important things. Those are good things. And they're helpful for us to worship and, and praise God. But I think I want to be clear with what God wants from us. God's Christmas list this year. He doesn't want our, he doesn't want our presents. He doesn't want our, our, our offerings, our gifts wrapped under the tree, our activity, our busyness, our devotion, our striving, know what God wants this Christmas is our presence. Simply our presence. He's looking for us to rest in him, to to be with him, 
to give him our heart. What does it look like for us to, to give God our presence? It means we stop striving. We stop striving to trying to make God proud of us. We, we stop trying to earn God's favor. It simply means that we just be present, emotionally, spiritually, physically. In fact, I love how Psalm 46 says, Psalm 46 says, be still and know that I am God. You know, stillness is not an empty void. Stillness is a space that is filled with divine presence. That's what st being still is. It's to be filled with that divine presence, the place, the place where God speaks and God reveals his majesty and his power and his might and his glory. It's a place where our hearts are filled with him when we are just still before him. In fact, in fact let me illustrate what it looks like for us to be still before God and to give God our presence. This past summer, Sam and I took our kids. We went and hiked up uh, for a sunset hike on Mount Rainier. It was amazing. It was remarkable. Uh, the, that evening, the skies were absolutely clear. The air was, was crisp and a little bit cool. And we were there. The mountain was standing there in all its majesty, just before us. The sun slowly fading over the horizon as the shadows descended upon the valley and then upon the mountain until the mountain in all its glory began, began glowing in the moonlight. It was amazing. You know, as that sun was setting, all we did that night was to sit silently, to experience the mountain, as a mountain stood tall, unwavering, majestic, powerful, awe-inspiring. The mountain was showing us its beauty and its glory for all it was. And you know, we didn't have to do anything to make that mountain majestic, right? We didn't have to do anything to show its glory. We didn't have to sing songs to make it happy. We didn't have to walk around the forest picking up garbage to make it look better. We didn't have to, we didn't have to make some great promise. Oh, I promise I'll be a good steward if you show yourself tonight. I didn't have to write a sermon to tell my kids how majestic that mountain was. Because that time was not spent striving. That time was spent being present. It was a time to let go of the noise, the distractions, the worries, to let go of the demands of life and just be still and take it in. It was us being present, pausing, breathing, being filled with awe and wonder and majesty and glory of Mount Rainier. I think that's what it looks like for us to be still before God. It means we don't have to do. We don't have to go and do all those things. God is there just like the mountain is there. The problem is, you and I, we're too, oftentimes we're too busy. We're too stressed. We're too burdened. We're too bitter. And notice God standing in all his majesty and might and glory right in front of us. You know, at some capacity, we need to learn how to be still and to give him our presence, to pause and reflect and notice 
who he is. To hear him speak. To allow him to show himself to us. I mean, as we head into Christmas, Christmas is one of the busiest times of the year. It's one of the most exciting times of the year. I love all that goes on. There's so much that happens in this season. We've got parties and shopping and gifts and, and church services to attend and dinners to, to go to and, and football games to watch. And we have all these things. But what is it this Christmas that God is asking from you? What is God asking from you? It might be some of the things we talked about. It might be a financial donation. It might be you committing to the church. It might be you inviting someone to come with you, telling someone about the love of God. God absolutely uses those things. But I firmly believe what God wants us to hear today, what God desperately wants from each of us this Christmas, is simply for us to be still simply for us to give him our presence, simply for us to pause and to breathe and to experience him for who he is, his glory, his power, his majesty, that we would allow our hearts to be filled with him and to come to know him. Now, I'll just say, for me, I know that being still, being present with God, it can be hard. I like to be in control of things. And for me to be in control of things means I need to be busy. I need to do a bunch of things because that's how I feel like I can be in control. So here's just a few simple steps to help you to be present with God, to give him your presence, to be still this Christmas. Number one, first thing it's going to require for us is to pause. Here's the thing. Being present doesn't happen by chance. It doesn't. It requires an intentionality. Everybody is so busy. We have so many things going on. There's all this going on. Listen, if we're going to give God our presence, if we're going to be present with him, we've got to take that time just to pause. To say, I'm going to choose a time intentionally to say, I'm going to take 10 minutes. For me, that's what I do. I take my phone. (laughs) Some of you are greater at this. For me, 10 minutes of silence is the hardest 10 minutes of my life. So I take my phone out and I put a timer on 10 minutes. This is my time to pause, to be intentional, say, God, I want to be present right now. What is that time for you that you're going to set aside to say, God, I'm going to pause before you? As you do that, second step is you've got to reflect on who God is. You've got to reflect on what is true, not just what is felt. You know the difference is? There's times when I don't feel God is present. I don't feel God is majestic. I don't feel those things. But that's not truth. No, this time is for us to reflect on the truth of who he is, that he is majestic. Like we stand before the mountain and we're in awe. God is greater. God is the one who created the mountain. God is the one who created the sunset. The things that, that, that draw that awe-inspiring uh, majesty in us. God is a creator of those things. He's a source of all beauty, of all good. He's a source of the songs we love to sing. Now we see him and say, God, you are majestic. We see him and say, God, you are a good father. You are loving. You're the father who is present. 
You're the Father who is known to me. You don't leave me or abandon me. You're the God who cares for me no matter what. That's reflecting on that truth that he is a good father. We reflect on how powerful he is. That there is nothing that God cannot do. Reflect on how he is the redeemer. And he's the one who heals. He's the one who saves. He's the one who redeems, who takes the broken things and turns them into something beautiful. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. He is the God who redeems and the God who saves. Yeah, for us to, to give God our presence, we've got to pause. We've got to reflect on who he is. Number three, we've got to pray. As we begin to reflect on who he is, this is where we pray these prayers of, of adoration. God, you are good. God, you are majestic. God, you are all-powerful. God, you are the redeemer. God, you are present even when I don't feel it. You know, those prayers of adoration, do you know they're more for you than they are for him? They're more for you to, that God uses to fill your soul of this is who he is. And then you pray these prayers of, of surrender. God, here's my day. Here's my weight. Here's my burden. God, I surrender my family to you right now. God, I surrender my job to you right now. God, I surrender this problem of my marriage. I, I'm giving it to you, God. God, this sin, this, this addiction, this thing I've held on to, God, I'm giving it to you. I'm surrendering it. It's a prayer of, of surrender. Again, you pray these prayers of adoration of who God is. You can't help but just saying, I'm going to give this to you, God. Step forward to be present with God. Number one, we're going to pause. Number two, we're going to reflect on who he is. Number three, we're going to pray. And number four, we're simply going to listen. We're simply just going to be still and listen. You listen through his word. We listen through the Holy Spirit. We reflect on how he speaks and how he directs and guides us in that moment. And I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, when we practice this idea of giving our presence to God, of being still before him, there is nothing more intimate and that time you spend with God of just being present with him of being still of being in his presence of giving himself to you of giving yourself to him man as much as I love going and seeing the mountain and the sunsets nothing compares to that time that we can just be still before God and experience him for who he is it is greater than anything we can imagine well, I want to close this morning <laughs> simply by inviting you to give God your presence. We're going to have the worship team. They're going to sing a song for us. And my encouragement to you this morning, right now, is to pause. Don't think about the 
kids you got to pick up in the kids' ministry. Don't think about the book in the lobby you want to grab. Don't think about where you're going to go for lunch. Don't think about the problem you have and that relationship and how that person's driving you crazy. I'm going to invite you this morning right now just to pause, to be still, to be present, to reflect on who God is, to pray these prayers of adoration, and to listen to Him as He speaks. Worship team will sing a song. It'll take us six minutes. I invite you to just take those six minutes and just be still.